The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, in the Gospel of Mark, we're reading about Christ doing miracles, he's doing healings, he's confounding many of the religious leaders, and he's preaching the kingdom of God and how to get in. Well, with that, we welcome you to this edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with my co-host of um, a few years, <laughs> over a decade, Bert Harper. Yeah, it has been that long, hasn't it, Alex? We've enjoyed every—I cannot think of a single program that I haven't enjoyed. Amen. I, I know. And, you know, every now and then people will ask, how much do we prepare beforehand? And, and Bert and I, we generally have, a, you know, a kind of a, a heart-to-heart phone call once a week, and we'll pray or talk. But the reason that I think this has worked so well, and it is working so well, is because, for one, we we both believe the the Bible. We have what we call a high view of Scripture, and we believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God. We believe that we are to yield to the authority of God's Word. Yeah. But also, Bert, I just would say our um, ability to do this is thanks be to the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Alex, listen, uh, Peter illustrates that so good. Here was Jesus arrested. He had just got through bragging, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I don't care what these other guys do. And, I mean, less than a few hours later, he was denying he even knew him. Mm. But then, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, empowered him, and then he would go to the temple gate and heal a man and brought before the people that had Jesus condemned to Pilate, he said, we can't help but speak of the things we've seen and heard. Listen, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life. Amen. Amen. Well, do you know that very same Holy Spirit power can be yours, folks, and you can know Christ and have absolute assurance of where you're headed after you leave this world, a relationship with Christ. You can grow in knowledge and wisdom by reading God's Word every day, and we just feel very privileged that uh, the Lord, uh, God led Tim Wildman many years ago uh, to start a radio show, and and I want to say thanks. I know we have Sherathon coming up. Look, um, three to four central, four to five eastern. This is uh, in radio terms. This is some prime real estate. And Tim Wildman, the president of the American Family Association, he didn't sell this to a major ministry. I'm sure he could have, but he is giving an hour of time every day to the reading and the teaching of God's Amen. word. Amen. And um, I, Bert, I got to say, I think the Lord has blessed this and is blessing it. I would agree with you, and we do thank God for the Wildman family, Don, and I pray for he and Linda and Tim mm-hmm. and uh, he and Allison and. Their children, what a blessing it is. Well, Alex, Amen. Mark chapter 6, we started a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. 1 through 6, about Jesus not being able to do uh, any great works in his hometown of Nazareth, and it, he was marveled. And I ended by saying two things that Jesus was marveled at, and each one of them had to do with faith. One was their lack of faith, their unbelief, and then the other one was a centurion, a Roman centurion who he marveled at such great faith, he said, I haven't found this kind of faith, not even in Israel. In other words, the place where you would expect it, he found something that was greater than the one expected in the unexpected. Let me make this. I want to be ready to receive the unexpected from God. Uh, Listen, he can do it with individuals. He can do it with schedules. He can do it with events. Uh, I've gone to some places every once in a while, and if you're not careful, you travel too much. Everything is important, but if you're not careful, you're, okay, this is routine. You go here, you go here, and then all of a sudden, God intervenes in the most unexpected ways. And Mm. so we're praying that God would do this on Exploring the Word, that he would he would come and bless those who are hearing today in a very unexpected way. And so, Alex, Amen. that's what Jesus, he marveled at their faith. I pray he would not marvel at our unbelief. 
Well, amen. Uh, exactly. I, I don't think God ever reprimands somebody for trusting him too much. <laughs> but there, there are plenty of things in the Bible about not trusting him enough. Let me read from verse 7. We're in Mark chapter 6, if you want to follow along. Jesus called unto him the twelve, in other words, the disciples. And he began to send them forth two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should not that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into, there abide till you depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust from your feet for testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Bert, um, to shake the dust off your feet and move on, I mean, that's become kind of a, a euphemism and a saying, isn't it? It really but, is. Alex, and you it hit comes. it. Yeah. yeah. Let me say this real quickly and get to that. Notice it says, now in the New King James Version, it says the place, in place it says enter a house. Uh, you know, the other program I do is Exploring Missions. What you do in an area, it can be a, an unchurched area. It can be an area in your neighborhood, in your town, a, a suburb, and, and you're going out and you're trying to share the Word of God. When you find a home, a house that will receive you, that is such a blessing. And honestly, if that person's in, we call them a person of peace, uh, mm-hmm. and, and from there, it launches out. That's the way church plant really starts. It can start out as nothing but a Bible study. It can start out as a prayer time, but it starts out in an apartment. It starts out in a home. It starts out in a home front, but it's a place, a person of peace, and from there, it launches out into the neighborhood in the area. So this this is a mission uh, statement here. Uh, the 12 go out. They're the apostles. They're uh, Jesus has more disciples than these, but these are the 12 that he specifically has grouped together to spend more time with, and now he's spent enough time with them that he's sending them out to do this work that God has for them. He, uh, mm. Do you call this a little preliminary of the Great Commission? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know what? Um, I think it's significant, two by two. Um, you know, the Bible says uh, two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Um, isn't it something that God doesn't um, God doesn't call lone rangers, does he? <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're, we're part of a family, and we're part of a team. Now, Bert, I've played sports, and I know you've coached sports. Championships are won by teams, aren't they? They really are. There's no I in team. I know you've heard mm. that, and... We heard that on our state championship basketball team that I played on way back in the day. Now, listen, the older I get, the better I was, Alex. There's fewer people to remember the truth. But anyway, no. But they go out two by two. Now, notice what? So they went out and preached that people should repent. That was the message, similar to what John the Baptist. And again, this is the message of the kingdom, repentance, and that, that is turning away from yourself turning toward God in faith. And they cast out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They mm. were healed. This this is amazing that G- they've seen Jesus do this, and they were amazed. And now the power of God in their lives, they're able to, I would say, continue the ministry that Jesus started. Well, amen. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Herod hears this. You remember John the Baptist has been beheaded. King Herod heard of him. Uh, all right, all these miracles are happening. And his name was spread. He said that John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that this is that prophet, because you remember in the Old Testament, God said he would raise up a prophet. It's one of the prophecies about the coming of Jesus. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now, Bert, don't you detect fear? Oh, man, yeah. This is a flashback, isn't it? Uh, Because this is reporting what he had already done, and it gives you the details, but you can tell the guilt. 
you can tell the 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 horribleness of it and it this is a flashback alex well and th- you can read about this in matthew 14 now Bert, yesterday you used a really good word the synoptic gospel now optical seeing and syn is a latin word for same the synoptic gospels matthew mark luke and john it means to see the same thing and they're all telling the life and ministry of jesus and this is one of those things where you know uh matthew uh, is helpful Matthew 14 the beheading of John the Baptist and here we read about in Mark 6 that Herod I'm going to guess he's probably terrified I agree he thinks uh-oh John the Baptist has come back from the dead and he's come back to get me and avenge that I beheaded him but this is Christ and his apostles that have been not only commissioned but empowered haven't they Bert? they really have and it tells the story how it all happened, you can read that. But verse 26, I think, uh, I would say amplifies what you just said. And the Mm -hmm. king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. He didn't Mm -hmm. want to do this, John the Baptist, but he did it anyway. Sounds like Pilate. Have you ever seen such weak leaders that you have here in Uh, these areas? They They were just Pilate was weak. We found yeah. out Herod was weak, and, and not standing on what they knew was right, but they did it just to appease. And, and Alex, uh, leadership doesn't do that, does it? No, they don't. And have you ever heard the phrase of someone having, quote, the courage of their convictions? Amen. Listen, if you're going to have courage, uh, you got to first have some convictions. Now, what are convictions? Things that you know are true, that Jesus is the Son of God that the Bible is the Word of God, uh, that marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, there are so many convictions. But I think in our own day, Bert, we have weak leaders, we have fearful leaders, and they, they, they let error sweep over us because they didn't stand for truth, because they themselves weren't really sure what truth was. And we need people of courage, but courage of conviction and those convictions having been drawn from the revealed Word of God. With that in mind, Alex, we just got about 30 seconds left. When you talked about truth, that's why you do these, uh, you know, truth for new generation. And this one in Paris, Tennessee, is truth matters. Amen. Once you know the truth, you stand on that truth. But we need to know the truth first, don't we? We surely do. And by the way, if you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. You can learn about the big, big Tennessee event, April 21 through 23. Bert will be there, Abe Hamilton, so much more. We hope you'll join us a month from now in Tennessee as we get equipped to stand for truth. Well, this is Exploring the Word. We're going to be right back after this. Stay with us. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. He is the state senior senator, as well as the former state attorney general. Matthew 5.16 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Senator Josh Hawley as he represents the people of Missouri. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says the biggest problem many people have with the idea of following Jesus is the idea of following anyone at all. That's a disease called self-sufficiency. And we'll learn about the cure today as we spend two minutes with Tony. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you something. He will break you first. See, the problem is we have too many independent people who don't need Jesus. Too many independent Christians who don't need Jesus. Doing everything we can to make life work and it won't work. Doing everything we can to make marriage work and it won't work. To, to make our, get our careers on track and it won't come on track. You say, why won't God bless me? Well, one reason is he may be trying to break you. He may be trying to strip you of your self-sufficiency. Now, it's painful. 
to be stripped of your self-sufficiency. It's painful to be told you don't know what you think you know. Any of you parents have kids like that, know everything? Think they've been alive 50 years? They're going to tell you how to be a parent? You know? Yeah, and, and then they bring their friends into it. It's hard sometimes to do what Jesus says when it goes against what you know is right. This is not the way to do it, but because you said it. Following Christ involves rejecting your feelings, rejecting your knowledge, and rejecting your experience if Jesus says something different. The reason why God will break you is because he's got something greater for you. Did you hear me? The reason why God will break you and show you that you don't know what you think you know, you aren't as strong as you think you are, is so that he can take you to places you have never been before. Find out what life can look like when the Lord puts all your broken pieces back together better than new. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory, won't you be my Amen. Make him your Prince of Peace. I want to tell you, he'll take you through the darkest, toughest times. And uh, what a Savior. Listen, if you wanted to see us, not only just hear us, but see us, you can go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, and it's streaming. Or you can go to uh, Exploring the Word Facebook. And uh, we're broadcasting that now, I guess you could say. So you can not only hear us, but you can see us. And uh, that way, when you come to Paris, Tennessee, you won't have to say, well, I didn't know you looked that way, Bert. You, you mm-hmm. already have a preview of that. But, Alex, uh, we are looking forward to that. But let's get back into Mark chapter 6. I think we may be able to finish this today. But notice what happens from verse 13. We talk about John the Baptist through verse 29. But then we see the answer or the outcome of verse 13 after he sent them out to preach, to cast out demons, and to healing. It says in verse 30, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now, mm-hmm. I love this. This is accountability. When Jesus sent them out, he brought them back in, and they began to tell him what they taught. Okay, did you get the message of the gospel? Yes. Did you get the message of the kingdom? Yes. Well, tell us about some of the testimonies of those that were demons cast out, healed, and they began to, I'd love to have been at that testimony time. Verse 31, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. let's, Let's go to this. This is so important. They had gone out. They had done God's word. They came back in accountability. And the first thing he said, come aside and rest a while. Alex, fatigue uh, in ministry, I don't care who you are, you better be careful. If you look at some of the Old Testament and even the New Testament guys and ladies that were serving, there had to be a time when you come aside and rest a while. And so here Jesus purposely draws them aside for this purpose, doesn't he? Well, he really does. And I know you've probably heard the Vance Havner quote uh, off of, Mark six thirty one and Vance Havner said, If you don't come apart, you'll come apart. <laughs> Amen. You know, Jesus says, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Now listen to this, for there were many coming and going, and they, the disciples, had no leisure so much as to eat. In other words, so many people were coming to be ministered to, healing and whatnot. Uh apparently the disciples didn't even have time to break bread. And I think the Lord probably let this go on just long enough to make the impression. And he says, okay, come apart and and rest a while. And I think about this, if Jesus, and of course he is our role model and our example and our personal Savior, if you've put your faith in Christ. But I mean, if, if the Son of God said it was important to rest 
and be a steward of your body, I mean, how much more so the rest of us, you know? I agree with you fully. And so they did this, and it starts in verse 32 through 44, about the 5,000 being fed. Mm-hmm. And they departed to a deserted place, the boat by themselves, but the multitudes, and notice the word but, but the multitudes saw them departing, and they ran after them. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw the great multitude. He was moved with compassion. There it is again. He wanted to get away, but he was moved with compassion for he saw them. And this is some one of the greatest statements about how men are without Christ. They were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Now, I want to stop there for Alex just a second. It won't take me long. Sheep, those kind of sheep, we're not talking about the bighorn sheeps up in the mountains of the Rockies, but we're talking about those kind of sheep are the most vulnerable to, to being attacked by any enemy. Uh, they really have, have nothing to, for them to hurt that is a physical animal, and, but they're very vulnerable, and they were like sheep having no shepherd. A shepherd gives direction. A shepherd gives direction. The shepherd leads them to nourishment. So this is the shape that they were in, and Jesus had compassion on them. Well, the implication is really like they're like lambs. And if you've ever been around a lamb, little bitty sheep, I mean, yes, they are very, very vulnerable. And so this is very famous where he says to the disciples, you know, here's all these people, give them to eat. And so they said, look, we don't have money to go buy bread, and you're telling us to feed these people. He saith to them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And they had five loaves and two fishes. Mark six thirty eight very famously uh, talks about the loaves and the fishes. So the people are put on the ground to sit down by order, hundreds and fifties. And when they fed them all, uh, everybody had all they wanted, and they took up twelve baskets and fragments left. Bert, uh, certainly this is one of the most famous things in in the gospel: the the miraculous multiplication of the food. And everybody had plenty to eat. And I bet it was the best they ever tasted. <laughs> I bet you know, when, it was. Yeah. When Jesus turned water to wine, everybody said, this is the best. I bet this was the best bread <laughs> and fish those people would ever taste. Oh, man, don't you imagine? Now, let's separate this. He did this two times. Turn over real quickly. If those of you that have the Bible, if you don't just listen, we'll get to this. But in chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, he feeds the 4,000. This happens. It's a little different this time. They have loaves and some fishes. They don't tell the whole thing about it, but in place of having 12 baskets left over, they have seven. Uh, Those that are liberals say, oh, it was one time, but you can see how mixed up they are. No, it was two separate times because Jesus is going to talk about it that two times this happened. Uh, In verses 19 and 20, this is in chapter 8, he reviews with them the time that was they had 12 baskets left over, and this time seven. And so just make sure, uh, again, this is where knowing the Scriptures really sets you up to be able to defend the Word of God. And so, Alex, yes, they brought those loaves and the fishes. They fed them all. Now, from Matthew and Luke, we find out it was a little boy's luncheon. Now, can you remember what was the name of the apostle that found the little boy and brought him to Jesus? Was it what, Andrew? Andrew. Isn't it amazing? Every time, every time Andrew is mentioned in the Gospels, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. He brought his brother every time. That's the reason you have ministries. They call it Operation Andrew, where people go out and they share the Gospel and try to bring Jesus to them. Um, Bert, maybe I'm digressing here, but I just think it's something else that uh, in John— uh, John 21, this is after the resurrection, the disciples, they come up upon Jesus, uh, and Jesus is on the shore, and he's got a fire going, and Jesus cooks fish. <laughs> and uh, John twenty-one thirteen, the disciples, it's early, and he says, come and dine, and nobody really spoke because they knew who it was. And then Jesus came and takes bread and gives them and fish likewise. So the feeding of the, the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes here, and then John 21. So on at least two occasions, when our Lord Jesus was in charge of the meal, he served fish. 
And a lot of times when I, because I do love fish, really, I really do. Um, But I think about this, Jesus could serve anything, and twice he served fish. Um, You want to, you want to eat like, uh, apparently Jesus approves of broiled fish being served, doesn't he? He does. That may be the marriage supper of the lamb, since he's already done it that way. I don't know, or give us something new. But anyway, that is so true. It's a beautiful story, and he did not waste any. He had 12 baskets, and those were the, and the men were about 5,000. Now, here's the whole idea. There's there's different thoughts. In other words, they're, they're grouping everybody and saying there's 5,000 but it specifically says 5,000 men. So there could have, this, let me say, there could have been. Wives and children? Yes, there could have been more, you know. Uh, There could have been 15,000, 20,000, but they were all fed. And it was started with, what, five loaves and two fishes. I bet when that mother packed that lunch for that little boy, she had no idea what she was packing and going to be used by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, that and maybe we'll see her in heaven. That dear mother packed the most famous bag lunch in history. Amen. But it is. After this, verse forty-seven. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Well, first, let me go back to verse forty-six because after this, remember he had said, "Come apart for a while." Um, Jesus sent the disciples away, and he went up into the mountain to pray. So it's dark, and they're out on the sea. And he sees them rowing, and it was windy, and so he walks on the water out to them. Verse 49, they thought it was a ghost. They were afraid, according to verse 50, but he calls out, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And he went up into the helm of the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, verse 52, and Bert I don't know, let's say this is six or eight hours later. Jesus walks on water. He controls the elements. He calms the storm. He controls the elements. Um, They'd already apparently forgotten the miracle of the loaves. (laughs) Uh, Would you read the last clause in verse 52? It says, because their heart was hardened. Mm. Mm -mm. Have mercy. Amen. I, I mean, you know... Yeah. But I got to be honest, don't we forget that? Oh, listen, too? we are, we have a short memory on some things. Alex, I just want to give an outline here. And it, 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 as a preacher will say to those who are listening that's teaching or preaching, this a preach. Notice verse 48. First of all, he went into the mountain. He, but in verse 48, he saw them. The last part of verse 48, he came to them. And then in verse 51, he went up into the boat to them. Now, every one of those, he's watching over you. He sees where you are. Those of you who are listening, he knows where you are. He knows the difficulties you're in. He knows that you feel pressed in on every side, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4. And he came to them. He wasn't willing just to stay a distance. He came to him. The Holy Spirit of God is in us, making himself known. And he got into the boat with him. It reminds me of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fire furnace, but there was a fourth man in the furnace. And and the king said, it looks like the Son of God. Listen, Mm. he saw them. He came to them. He went up into the boat to them. Alex, that's our Savior, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And you know the old phrase that, you know, you and I are in the same boat. Uh, Hey, let's make sure that Jesus is in our boat with us, or even really more importantly, we're in the ark of safety with him. But um, it it says they've passed over, came into the land of Gennesaret, drew to the shore. Uh, They get out of the boat, and they're reflecting on the fact that it's Christ. They know it's him. And it spreads throughout the region, word of mouth, word of mouth, and everybody began to bring people on their sickbed where they heard where he was. And verse 56 of chapter 6 says, And whithersoever Jesus entered into villages, cities, the country, wherever he went, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, even the hem of his garment, the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Now, you're going to remember back in 
Mark 5, the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Jesus uh, is proving his messiahship here. I mean, the power to heal. Um, He's got the ability, just one touch gives life, gives healing. And so these miracles, uh, the power of God, but this unmistakably shows the identity of this one who is the Son of God. You know, you can't help but think the old gospel hymn, the gather hymn, he touched me and made me whole. Here, I touched him, (laughs) and he made me whole. You know, amen. He he is the God of of love. He is the God of power. He is the God that cares for you right where you are. And again, when I read chapter 6, that's what I see. He does care for you. Well, we've got a few minutes here. Let me give that number, and you can start lining up your calls. That number that you can call today is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. With your Bible question, we'd love to hear from you today. But chapter 7, let's at least give an introduction to it, Alex. It says, then the Pharisees. <laughs> How many times do we hear that phrase after Jesus has done a miracle after he's uh, cleansed someone, uh, then the Pharisees. Do you think this is going to be good or bad? Just, just start. Uh, if you didn't know chapter seven, and you'd already read chapters one through six and saw the Pharisees acting, do you think they're going to come up with something good or something bad? <laughs> as we said down south, not too good. Not too I mean, good. <laughs> you know, whenever it says then the Pharisees, you know, okay, uh, this is not going to be positive. It's going to be negative. <laughs> And this they, is in the northern part, and guess what they do? They, they're not satisfied just when Jesus comes down to Jerusalem. Now they're sending their scouts up into Galilee to check him out, you know? Well, and, and let me just say that it's, it's not, praise God, people are healed. Praise God, people are delivered from demons. Praise God, people are saved. It's not that. It's, uh, th- here's the gripe. Your disciples eat with unwashed hands. Now that's well, not it's not an issue of cleanliness it's an issue of ceremony isn't it ritualistic yeah. let, let me just say this and and if it's a good thing I wasn't there cuz I might have been sarcastic they said <laughs> hey you know Jesus your disciples eat with unwashed hands but at least they weren't going around with unwashed hearts woo amen alex uh, i well <laughs> Uh, that might have been well said. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it says when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. There are many other things which they have received and hold, like washing the cups, pitchers. I mean, they were looking at every ticky-tack thing they could find, not according to God's law, but according to their law. Listen, we're going to take phone calls, and we're excited about you making that call right now. 888 8840. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Greetings, everyone. I'm Dr. Matt Ayers, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. Most Christians only know the Bible at a surface level. We believe it, but do we really know it? I want to invite you to join the Wesley Institute presented by Wesley Biblical Seminary. The Institute's a nine-month program that will give you an in-depth understanding of all 66 books of the Bible taught by seminary professors. You can join live from anywhere in the world or watch the class videos on your own schedule. To learn more, visit wbs.edu. That's wbs.edu. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. 
I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. <laughs> if you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. You shall build a house, but you will not live in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you will not use its fruit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The capital city of the United States of America has now joined jurisdictions in at least five states across the country in allowing non-citizens to vote in local elections. Five states allow non-citizen voting in local elections for municipal offices or school board. Those states are California, Illinois, Maryland, New York, and Vermont. Now, D.C. joins them. When foreign nationals who have no stake in our nation's future are allowed to vote, it undermines the importance of citizenship. It's almost as if that's the true goal. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, we welcome you, and this is the portion of the program where we take your telephone calls, and the number is 888-589-8840. If you've got a Bible question, uh, it could be about what we've been talking about in Mark, or it could be anything else Bible-related. We'll do our best to give you a good factual answer. But your Bible questions beginning now, 888-589-8840. And... Uh, Bert, uh, we're always honored to hear from people, aren't we? We really are, and we've got lines that are open, so if you've got a question, Alex and I will do our best to get to each and every one of them. With that in mind, the first caller today is Frank from Ohio. Welcome, Frank. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I listen to you a lot, the first-time caller. Well, thank you for um, calling, brother. You're welcome, brother. I am. Uh, this dawned on me. I was thinking how Jesus was on the shoreline. He was making fish for breakfast for his disciples. And I mean, there was no like dead trees around. He could have started it with. And <laughs> I know he didn't have matches back then. So it's kind of like a miracle in itself just for him to just prepare that. Frank, thank you for thinking about stuff. Like I'd never uh, thought about it that way. I figured the dead woods around. But again, how do you start that fire? Uh, they had those little things that they could do, straw and everything. But that is neat, Frank, that Jesus, uh, even the small details, Jesus took care of, Alex. John 21, verse 9, he was there and he had a fire of coals. And I'm going to just say this, Bert, and you feel free to disagree. I don't think Jesus cheated and just manifested a fire. I bet he had to rub the sticks together or strike a flint or do whatever you had to do. Um, you, you don't get the impression that he used his divine powers to his unfair advantage, do you? You do not. Each one of the miracles that you see him do, uh, is it would point concerning him, but not for him. That's what we talked about, going up into the wilderness, Alex, and being tempted. Each one of those that Satan tried to get him to do was for himself, and he was over, he overcame it with the Word of God. So, Frank, Jesus took care of that, and again, uh, he the real miracle was he was there, resurrected, and telling them where to find fish. And so thank you for that good call, brother, and thank you for the first-time caller. Well, let's go to Pennsylvania and talk to another first-time caller, Avery. Welcome, Avery. 
Hi there. How are y'all today? Doing good, good. man. I love hey, to hear. Wait a minute, Avery. I just got to say something. I love y'all from somebody from Pennsylvania. That's hmm. that's uh, better than you guys. Okay. What do you think? <laughs> I appreciate. It. I'm a transplant. So <laughs> okay. I up my Virginia accent. Okay. Well, brother, thank you for calling today. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you my question. I'll be brief as I can. Um, I, I heard you guys say that uh, Jesus being the Son of God, and I, I was wondering in Philippians 2 and 6, it says, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So I was just curious as to how one could be the Son and still be equal with the one he was created from. Okay, fantastic question. Avery, let me just share with you. When you talk about the firstborn and you talk about Jesus being the first, you're talking about position. You're not necessarily talking about uh, the position uh, where he was, firstborn, firstborn privilege. Alex, go ahead. Well, you know, I think uh, co-equal with the Father in terms of nature, in terms of authority, and in terms of revelation. Because like in John 3.16, where it says uh, God sent his only begotten Son, literally that means of the same nature or essence. And this is part of the reality and, frankly, mystery of the Trinity, that there is one God and yet eternally existing in three persons or centers of consciousness. Now, I don't completely know how that works. Brent Austin has posted for us on social media my pretty in-depth article about the Trinity. But in terms of nature, Jesus and the Father, co-equal. In terms of authority, definitely co-equal. But in terms of revelation, because Jesus said, in, like in John 10 and John 8, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, if, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know God, come to Jesus. So um, he, he never ceased to be deity, even though he put on perfect humanity. And yet, while the Father is not the Son and the Son is not the Father, they are co-equal and co-eternal and co-authoritative, aren't they, Bert? Along with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit uh, indeed, is there indeed. as well. They. Uh, I, it is, it is a mystery, Avery. Let me just tell you that man cannot fathom the depth of the Trinity. We, we get a glimpse of it. We do our best to illustrate it, but everything that man comes up with when it try, when we try to explain or what we come up lacking, he is that big of God. He is amazing. God. Thank you, Avery. Let's go to Kentucky. And talk to Tony. Welcome, Tony. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. I'm a first-time caller, too. Wow. Yay. Man, we're Thank doing you. it today. Way to go, Tony. This is a first-time day, ain't it? It is. Hey, Amen. I, I, I know that the dinosaurs are mentioned somewhere in the Bible, but I hadn't run across it. I don't have any problem with just knowing that because I believe everything there is about the Bible and all things were created in seven days. But my granddaughter asked me the other day, well, sometimes we study together where she could find in the Bible that it mentioned dinosaurs. Okay, Tony. Yeah, uh, Alex going to give you some real quick. I just got to say something about granddaughters and grandchildren. Listen, uh, papas and granddads, we're supposed to know it all, Tony. <laughs> we, we, you know, we. Uh, I say that facetiously, but it is awesome to be have a granddaughter studying the scriptures with her granddad. I man, that blesses me, Tony. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, the the word dinosaur is a fairly uh, recent term. Believe it or not, there was a, a Victorian scientist named Sir Richard Owen, and he came up with the word dinosaur to mean terrible lizard. But here are things in the Bible that most scholars think are dinosaurs. Isaiah 27, 1 says, The Lord will punish with the fierce great serpent, the Leviathan, the, the monster of the sea. That's Isaiah 27, verse 1. Uh, Psalm 104, verse 26 also references the Leviathan, which is probably you know some huge 
dinosaur. Uh, but then probably the most famous, you know, in the book of Job, it talks about the behemoth and the Leviathan, uh, Job 40, verses 15 through 24. The behemoth who has a tail uh, and has this these scales that even a spear can't go through and a tail as big as a cedar tree. And then, of course, Job 41 mentions Leviathan again. So there's a lot more that I could give, both in Genesis and Jeremiah and several others. But let me encourage people. These are friends of mine. They're wonderful answers in Genesis. Ken Ham, Mark Loy, Terry Mortensen, uh, Andrew Snelling. Uh, if you Google answers in Genesis, that they... Bert, I really don't know another ministry that has done as much work on helping us understand creation, the flood, yes, dinosaurs, uh, like Ken Ham and his group have done. Amen. Uh, let me suggest making a trip. My wife and I were talking about trying to go there with some grandchildren. Uh, even this morning, we were talking Amen. about we've got to get up there. With, we've been up there with two. We've got three others. We've got to get them there the Ark and the Creation Museum, and I want to tell you, Tony, it is worth a trip from Pennsylvania to there in northern Kentucky, real, real close south of Cincinnati, Ohio, for you to be a part of that. Thank you, Tony. Let's go to the great state of North Carolina and talk to Janet. Welcome, Janet. Hello. Hey, Alex and Bert. Hello um, there. I'm a first-time caller also. Wow, man. And, um, we, yeah, amen. <laughs> And living uh, um, uh, almost on the border of North Carolina and Virginia, so I'm north, northern North Carolina. Mm. Um, and I'm a mail carrier, and I listen to your show mostly every day. Um, my question is, was there a woman that was a disciple of Jesus? Okay, good question. Listen, there were a lot of women who were disciples. Disciple yes. means a follower of Christ. Uh, th there was 500 at one time gathered together as Jesus was, was taken up into heaven. I mean, they were there. But the apostles, which Jesus called out of the disciples, were men. They were men. Now, was that a purposeful thing? I think it was because they had to go to places that probably— uh, I'm, I, now, there are some women that has gone to some difficult places, Alex— but those 12 men, they were going to places, and every one of them would have a, a martyr's death except John possibly. John could have. We just don't know 100% sure. But, Alex, they were women disciples, right? There, there were, and praise God for it. And, you know, I think one of the great histories that, that needs to be written are the, the female disciples throughout history that have done so much. But, Bert, I want to give you one scripture, Luke 8, 1 through 3. In Luke 8, 1 through 3, Jesus is going about from village to village preaching the good news. The disciples were within the 12 disciples, but Luke 8, some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many other women provided for them out of their resources. And so, yes, there, there were the apostles, there were Nicodemus and different ones, but yes, godly women, believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus from the very, very, very beginning. Am I right, Bert? You are exactly right. And just to make this one of the greatest churches that you'll find in the New Testament, I think the strongest two churches is Antioch, and the other one is Philippi. Mm. The church at Philippi started because of Lydia, the woman who had yeah, it was studying. So listen, uh, don't you ever think this business of us being down on women, it has no, it, there's positions, just like Jesus had his position as referred to as the Son of God. Didn't mean he wasn't equal, didn't mean he didn't have co-authority and power, but that position and those apostles were men that held that position. But the females, the women, they were disciples, and where would we be without them? And so, yes, Janet, hope that answers that question. A good question, by the way. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Gary. Gary, welcome. Yeah, hi. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I, I'm also a first-time first, first -time caller. Keep, keep wow. the Man. thing going there. Yeah, yeah we've we uh, got to keep it going. <laughs> uh, I was wondering uh, – 
reading in the Old Testament, I've, I've puzzled on this for quite some time. How is it that Samuel, not being of the priestly line, apparently functioned as a priest? I mean, he sacrificed after uh, Saul for for sacrificing before he came. And anyway, have you ever thought of that? Okay, we find out Samuel in the book of First Samuel. Hannah was her her husband. Uh, Alex, uh, they did not have children, and uh, so what What would take place is that he would finally, Elkanah would finally, conceive, uh, she would conceive, and she gave it to Eli, who was the priest. Did that have anything to do with it? Well, I think so, yes, that Eli, you know, kind of was, uh, you know, like a father figure. I've always thought this was interesting. First Samuel 9, 9 speaking of, of Samuel, says uh, that he, he is called Samuel the seer, S-E-E-R, uh, a prophet before time called a seer. So Samuel definitely served the Lord, performed what you might as well call priestly functions, but Bert, he was an anointed prophet of God, wasn't he? He really was, and Samuel was one of the strongest men. Uh, the three biggies is easy. You you can identify them, Abraham, Moses, and David. But I just want to share with you, Elijah and Samuel, uh, they're not far behind in their uh, importance, are they? That's true. That's true. Very, very seminal figures in the Old Testament. And uh, Samuel, uh, yeah. Bert, to your knowledge, has there been a movie made about Samuel ever? You, you and Brent are the movie aficionados here. I, I don't know of one. I really don't. But man, Alex, that would be an uh, you, awesome. You, I, you know, you and I need matter. to get together and be producers of Samuel. You know, the the, the film, <laughs> the Bert and Alex film studio that's coming right. soon. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But hey, Gary, first time caller, Kim, we're not going to be able to get to you. But you're talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness, Alex. What does it mean when it says if you don't forgive? forgive others you will not be forgiven well i think it means that and and let me give a quote c.s lewis the great defender of the faith lewis said we should be willing to forgive the inexcusable in others because god has forgiven the inexcusable in us i mean and i, I know sometimes in life people find themselves having to give big grace to somebody but God's given big, big, big grace to us. And so we who have been forgiven, I believe, should be quick to forgive. Well, let me add to that. The unforgiveness that we don't give, we are the ones that suffer. It is bitterness. It's an acid that destroys the container. Mm. Listen, unforgiveness, you think it was for the benefit of the person that did you wrong? Let me just share with you. We get a lot more out of it than the person who we have forgiven. That is wow. it. I, I just want to tell you, that's who we are. Well, Alex, tomorrow is Fireway Friday. You going to be ready? I'll be ready, folks. Tomorrow, Fireway Friday, and it's going to be really good. Uh, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.